Adventure Through the Bible podcast. We are regular people on a quest to discover the treasures in God's Word. My name is Matt. With me today, we have Karen. Hey. And today, we have Tracy. Good morning. Good morning, Tracy. Uh, Tracy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Tracy Nunley. Um, I am a medical provider, and I really enjoy reading the Bible, studying the Bible, looking for its hidden treasures and being able to share with people each and every day. I have a wife of almost 30 years, two sons. My oldest son is 22. He's in the Coast Guard. And my youngest son is a precarious 11-year-old that keeps me on his on my toes. That sounds terrible. Mine are grown up. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does have, have its challenges each and every day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. No, let me feel. Mine are... Uh... Not quite, not quite that same uh, age range, but they're close. Um, I sometimes go to the grocery store, and there will be a poor woman with like three screaming children, and I, I actually sometimes blurt out out loud, "Yay, mine are grown!" And <laughs> he'll always like practically start crying. You want more? No, fine, fine. Yeah, people never take me up on that. Like, oh, your kids are so great. Like, you want them? You want them? <laughs> No, you'll no. bring them back in twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've spent the last couple of weeks in here. Oh, by the way, Eric uh, is not able to make it today. He's got uh, he's got a full plate for the day. So um, we'll miss him, and hopefully we'll have him uh, back in the near future. But uh, we've been spending the last couple of weeks here uh, talking about the first little bit of Genesis. Um, where we went through, of course, the creation story, and we talked about Noah, and um, we got all the way up uh, to the point where Abraham was about to be introduced. In fact, I think he was introduced, if I remember right. But um, since we're studying chronologically now, we are going to get into the book of Job, and this is where we're going to camp out for quite a while. Um, Now, I don't know exactly when Job was written. I think it's generally... I think there's a general consensus that it was probably the oldest book in the Bible. So I have a Bible that has a center column with tracking the years as as best that scholars understand it. And so the book of Job, it has listed as B.C. 1520. Okay. I don't remember. When I was looking, it was, they were saying, too, it kind of falls in between, if not the oldest, um, or Genesis. Yeah. Pretty close. That's why we did the so, first, uh, what was it, 11, yeah, chapters, 11 chapters of Genesis, and Genesis. then it was hopped over to... Yeah. So they're saying maybe Genesis, then Job, mm-hmm. then part, Exodus. Part yeah. of Genesis mm-hmm. right? is yep. what we ended up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on the... Scholars. Well, the scholars, depending yeah. on which which plan you use, there's some plans that have you go through the entire book of Genesis before you do Job. Mm-hmm. And then there's, most of them I saw, they do that first 11, and then, and then they... Uh, jump to Job and then come back and finish Genesis. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the idea is that it's very old. When, when exactly does it land? I don't know. It seems, I mean, at least for our purposes here, it seems like it's landing sometime after the flood. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, um, and so let's, let's get into this. Uh, Job is, boy, the, the, it starts out, it's a really interesting book and there's a lot of things that kind of get laid down that have a potential for some interesting theology down the road. Um, where it starts out, it starts out, well, it starts out with a little description of Job here um, and his children. 
and uh, apparently, I don't know if his children like to party or if they just like to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, good heavens, what was that all about? <laughs> I don't know, but it's like... It, it, they haven't had a rotation. Yeah. yeah. I'm eat at your house and yeah. I'm going to go to my house. Yeah, we're going to... So apparently, at least his kids got along. Well, the thing that I noticed was that he was old enough for his kids to be grown and yeah. have their own houses. Yeah. Like, Right. Um, Which I always think is really good that you go through and it kind of introduces them to give you a little bit of a feel for exactly where he was, what he did, how his family structure was. Um, and what I found amazing is that he was very, very prosperous. Yeah. Which, if you look in the Bible... And throughout the Bible, there's not very many prosperous people that they, they bring up. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You know, and, and looking at that, there was there were some interesting words that they had that, you know, it is once you have that prosperity and all the things he had, and if you put that into today's rationale, is like maybe like a farmer or something, and you look at his, what was it, 500 teams of uh, ox, was it? <laughs> You know, they kind of equate that to like, well, maybe like 500 tractors and a fleet of cars and or a fleet of trucks. And he was very prosperous. And, and what happens when you get prosperity, sometimes you you lose yourself. Yeah. But he didn't. He didn't. You know, right. there's, you know, very few. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, early on in the Old Testament were about the only really rich people that you see are very prosperous and that they still had a great relationship with, yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads into um, what happens here in this chapter, because we get we get this interesting passage. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read some of this here. It says, now, this is verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Um, so there's a lot of things that happen here. Um, now, the person, I don't know exactly, I, I guess we don't know exactly what mean, all this means, but it seems to me that what's happening here is representatives from other created worlds are coming together. And they're having some sort of convocation. And Lucifer, Satan, shows up and says, well, here I am. I'm going to represent planet Earth because I've been down there walking around on it to and fro. How does he put it? Uh, walking, how does he say it? Around it, in it. Going to and fro on the Earth and from walking back and forth on it. So that is a way of him saying that he's claimed it. Because when we get into Abraham, we talk about Abraham. We're going to talk about when he was uh, settling this is how he claimed the land that he was settling on. This was uh, a, a way of saying, this is mine. And, go ahead and walk in it. Yeah. 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 So if you go and you walk around on it, that you, this is you saying, this is mine. And so this is, this is. Uh, that seems like a confusing way to track title, honestly. Well, yeah. Like we don't do it that way anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then now something occurred to me as I was reading this this week where God says, well, have you considered Job? And I was starting to think, why did he bring up Job specifically here <laughs> after Satan had just said, I have claimed earth for myself. And then and then God comes along and says, well, have you considered Job? It's like it's like, it's like Noah from the flood story. Like, yeah. And everything and, and what was it? Every thought of 
man's heart was evil continually. Yeah. And then there's Noah. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, what I'm kind of wondering here, though, is if the theory that all these sons of God who showed up were representatives, governors, if you will, of other worlds, was God saying, you know, you don't really have a great claim to that planet because I've got Job there. And maybe it ought to be Job that's here talking to us today. <laughs> you know, that's, know. that's funny that we only get to, you know, verse number six, basically. And I was able to listen to like three sermons this week just on this area right here because it's <laughs> such a um, an area of, okay, what exactly are the the sons of God? Yeah, and yeah. that bachelor had a great thing saying, you know what, I do think it's representatives of, from other worlds or planets or what have you. And that, you know, I think there was one sermon that was just saying, where did this take place? Yeah. Because it couldn't be heaven because Satan was kicked out of heaven never to return. So was mm-hmm. it just like some little celestial court somewhere where they all convene together? <laughs> a Switzerland planet. But what they were saying is exactly what you're going to. It's like, why was Satan the representative of Earth? Yeah. And so that was, an, you know, another part of the sermon was, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, Adam was meant to be the representative mm-hmm. at that point. But when he sinned, he kind of relinquished that title. Yeah. And now Satan was basically saying, you know what? I've kind of corrupted that place, so it's mine. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right when... When God said, oh, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Have you considered Job? Which, you know, at first, when I first read it, I thought, I kind of offered him up. Yeah, that's, you yeah, know, that's, that's a terrifying conversation. It is. It is. <laughs> yes. May I please never be the subject of a conversation between God and Satan. But yeah, then it yeah. also lets you know that with everybody that was here, God still had his eyes on just one person. Yeah. yeah. Just one person. Yeah. There's a place in the New Testament where Jesus refers to Satan as the prince of this world. A couple couple places, actually. And that's always really stuck in my head. Like, wow. Like, after the fall, like, this place belonged to, this, this is his. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean God isn't here fighting to get the attention right. of his people. And there's not a plan in place to call everybody out and make it better in the end. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. before the dust settles. And, and even how they represented it, how he was saying um, from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth in it, when you look and they describe what Satan does, that's his role. He's just going forth looking to see who can devour. Can yeah. you see who yeah. can devour? Yeah, for sure. Right. And, and, you know, to have that spotlight put on you, well, try Joe. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is. It is a terrifying thought to say, well, what about Try Tracy or yeah. you know, try Matt, try Karen. It's yeah, like, no, don't, don't, no, don't please. try Karen. Uh, you know, it, and all Karen. the calamity that, but please, no. <laughs> yeah, am I gonna, are we going to show up in a book somewhere? Like, yeah, they, you know, they checked out Matt. Yeah, Matt kind of, well, kind of blew it. <laughs> to me, this kind of puts a different. You know, you hear people talk about spiritual warfare, and this kind of puts a different slant on it. That what what it can be, like there. are there are other beings watching us. Yeah. They probably know who we are. Yeah. And that is a little intimidating. Well, the whole concept Honestly. of yeah, the world is a stage. Yeah. And we're merely players on it and other people are watching. You know, could we be the the only fallen world and mm, see when you don't follow the plan, this is what happens. Yeah. 
you know, and it, to me, it never gets any better. You know, looking at today's society, it's it's not. I think there was a, it was a lot more simple here. I'm sure they had their own challenges, but it definitely, to me, has not gotten any better in no. in my time on the human, earth. Human no. nature is definitely still human nature. Yeah, no, I think things have gone. But got it, it weird. Yeah, but it is a great representation still of of the great controversy mm-hmm. and how you know God and Satan are still at odds and even you know the the way you look at how he responded it's still kind of throwing it up there like you know see your your plan didn't work and the earth is mine yeah well the way satan responded Mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 so the point you were making tracy earlier about how um there's very few prosperous people that get mentioned um as being what was the word? I did I don't know if he used the word, but being faithful mm-hmm. or blameless is yeah. what it says. Or blameless. Yeah. Yeah. blameless. Um, but that's where that's where Satan shows it or comes in and he says, um, basically, well, sure, he's on your side because you've given him everything. And the hedge around him is protected. Mm-hmm. And and with that, it's that, you know, with prosperity at times you see comes power. Yeah. And then you're Which you know, corrupt. you could be yeah. tends to corrupt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you hardly ever see anybody who's doing well who is doing right. Is doing right, and yet it does happen. It, yeah, yeah, but it's 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 interesting because I I had some friends who from a different religion, and their their religion actually believed that if you were doing well financially, it was because you were blessed by God and it meant that you were right with God and if you struggled financially it meant that your relationship with God was struggling mm-hmm. like they actually saw that as proof that God was caring for you yeah and and I mean I was an adult the first time I heard somebody say that and I I just remember being shocked because I, I remember I, I didn't grow up with any inkling that my financial prosperity or anybody else's final financial prosperity had to do with the state of their belief right or how God felt about them. You know, we have distant family members that believe almost the polar opposite. That, you know, if you are kind of in in that poverty kind of area, that that's where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, you know, you've given almost all your worldly and earthly possessions and, and have nothing. And it's, you know, it's hard. It's I don't know if there's a middle ground or a gray zone in between there, but... I think that when you, you know, read the Bible, you see the polar opposites in there Mm -hmm. and that you can, Job is a perfect example. You can have money and be blameless and fear God. Yeah. It's possible. But I think it also puts you at that potential for that spotlight to say, well, have you considered Job? Right. Um, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. somebody famous said that. Somebody once. famous said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I wonder if that just is centered around because you feel that you're content well, with what's here on what you have here oh, on earth. Yeah, certainly. so like, go all the way to revolution, Re- revelation, revolution. Uh, <laughs> Revelation, you know, the church of Laodicea, I am rich and increased in good, you have need of nothing, I'm fine, I 
don't need a savior. I don't need your help. I don't need to reach out to my fellow man because I can do all of this myself. Yeah. And that's interesting you bring that up because I think it just in the news um, that they were really targeting taxes this this week about how churches are taxed. And mm. they had like a few of the big churches, you know, throughout the world and how much they're actually worth. And it's like, isn't that so different from 50 years ago? Yeah. Where, you know, I think you had basically enough, maybe you had a building fund, you know, maybe you <laughs> had enough to keep the lights on is like, you know, we like to call it, and, you know, during <laughs> yeah. the sermon. But now it's, you know, a fleet of, Jets or oh my, you know, vacation yeah. homes that are. I clearly missed that news headline. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, def- definitely different. But you definitely can tie it in in Revelation where it says that. that mm-hmm. Well, it breeds complacency. Oh, definitely. Don't Luke need Warm. don't don't need a savior and don't need each other. We're just fine. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's move on here a little bit. Um, so basically this goes through twice. First, it's like, well, yeah, you, you know, you've made him rich. And then it's like, well, sure, but you've, you know, you keep him healthy. And God says, hey, do what you want, but don't kill him. You know, we're going to go, we're going to test this thing as far as we can, but I don't want you to kill the guy. You know, apparently everybody else is, is Job, on the table. Job disagreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Job was ready to be offed at you, that point. You know, it, and it says, it's like, you know, and he goes after that first. Well, you've given him everything. Okay, then take it. Yeah. I trust him. See what happens. Take yeah. it. That's that yeah, that's God's got some faith in this man. Yeah, I mean we think, you know, I tend to want to say Job had a bad day, but I'm like, you know, his family didn't have it so hot either. <laughs> you know, but I mean what, he loses his livestock, which is essentially his wealth. That's his wealth. Um and he loses his children, which is also his wealth. Mm-hmm. You know but, what? Can you say that when it first started, it was like you know, people raided your stuff, and I'm sure that happened. He was probably like, oh, okay. That I know it, it, it happens. Yeah. Okay. But then when the next one comes, and the next one, and fire came out of heaven, then it was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Then I'm sure it kind of clicked with him. It was like, there's something happening. And Something's then the house, going and then the house fell down on your kids. Yes. Yeah. But I'm the only one that was able to escape. That was a servant, right? Or Don't you love that? Was, Every person that comes up to him. I know. But only I was able to escape to come tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough movies like, wait. How were you able to escape? I didn't get the text or the email. It was one person running up into my tent, you know, every few minutes. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, verse 22 at the end of, of one. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. That's. Wait, uh, that's what yours says? What version are you reading there? Uh, New King James. Oh. What's yours say? Oh, well, I've got New King James also, I guess. But I've, if I look at NIV, it's, it ties them together. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrong. Okay. It doesn't separate them as two, yeah. two things. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. But, yeah, so, but the, anyway, anyway, I'll get to my point here. Um, if I have one. <laughs> uh, that's a lot to go through and be able to keep some perspective. I mean, that's a lot to go through. That's I mean, horrible. Losing all your, I mean, apparently he kept his wife because, boy, she's, she, she's, Such a yeah, she's real she helpful. She plays into it a little bit later. She, she, she's real helpful there after the, you know, after Satan comes and starts attacking Job's health. Um, but uh, how, how does she put it? Do you still hold fast to your integrity? 
curse God and die. I was like, wow, thanks for the support there, honey. Um, but uh, his comeback is, well. <laughs> you like that. You speak as one of the foolish woman speaks. <laughs> so I guess how, the, how, how you put the inflection on that sentence kind of makes a difference. Because he could say, you speak as one of the foolish women, or he could say, you speak as one of the foolish women. <laughs> there, there's a difference there. Um, since Karen is in the room, we will. I don't think I'm going to go with that subject. I don't yeah. think I'd tell my wife that with any inflection. No, 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 no. That <laughs> well, never would go over well. Well, I think it's the rest of the sentence then it, that is important, though. Shall yes. We accept good from God, but not trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, okay, so now this is an interesting mindset that they had, particularly in the Old Testament, where if something happens and God is ultimately in control, then God, you know, quote unquote, caused it. I was going to do like air quotes, but then I realized we're being recorded and no one would know I did that. <laughs> so so if, if God is in control and something happens, then God caused it. And we see that perspective bought into here. Do we accept good from God, but not trouble? Like yeah. he is assuming, he is speaking openly that this trouble is coming from God. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is such a tricky subject. I mean, even now you look around at people's lives and you wonder, like, how much of this is naturally occurring because we live in a sinful environment? And how much of this is a direct attack of Satan? And how much of it, you know, and then yeah. and then when when do I get upset? <laughs> When do I get upset at God? Because we do for not stopping something he could have stopped, right? All those, all those human suffering questions mm -hmm. that get tangled up when we're unhappy and things aren't going well. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if he, in a way, had a choice to think that it wasn't God. You know, like I said in the beginning, it's like, Okay, sometimes my stuff gets raided and people come and try to steal it, given. But when fire starts to come out of the sky and great winds, you almost have to sit back and think, okay, this is this is God. It's supernatural. Yes. But the, I mean, do you believe in the devil? Is he active? You know, that kind of thing. What right. powers does he have? And that's what I think is great about Joe because it almost gives you a sneak peek behind the curtain. Pull back that mm -hmm. curtain. To see what's going on. Yeah. And to see that, you know what, God is, you know, interacting in my life and watching my life each and every single day, everything that I do. Also, so is the devil. Yes. So let's not be napping. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then it also gives you the, the part of... You know, who can we trust and who can we rely on here? You know, our spouse, which is basically, let's just call it your best friend mm -hmm. in life, your closest companion. And then you have your small group of friends, you know, but are they going to give you what you need to help you through this time? Or is it just your faith and communion with God is what I kind of got out of this first part, too, is that for in order for God to know Job so well. They had to have a very good connection. Yeah. Each and every day. You know, almost like an you know, an Enoch kind of connection that they walked and they talked together yeah. every day. Yeah. Right. So he doesn't Job doesn't ever curse God, but it's not like he sits idly <laughs> and just accepts it all. You know, with grace. Um, because there is a whole chapter of Job complaining. <laughs> Uh, let's see. May the day of my birth perish. Yeah. 
he's uh, he he's definitely not enjoying this, and uh, he's being very vocal about it. Um, I do, it doesn't seem to me that he's like to the point of suicidal. I mean, he's like, I wish I'd never been born, but it's not like I wish I would just die, you know. Um, but he's I don't know if he's just lost in the moment here. Um, I mean, surely somebody who has built an empire before can probably do it again. So, but I mean, that's, that's been a lot to lose. Um, but he, he goes on for quite a while there about, um, not, not being happy about what's going on. And there were a lot of references to when he talks, they said it's basically kind of is breaking it down how it fell into Genesis Job and that time period. So they said, this is basically like a poem. Yeah. Yeah. It's written in that poem kind of format mm-hmm. that, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is after his friends showed up and sat there for a week, right? Yeah, and that's an interesting thing. Without saying a word. Without saying just, a word. Well, it's, he was making a poem in his head. He was getting it ready. <laughs> he was getting ready. He's he like, don't rehearsing. talk, I'm thinking. He was, he was composing. He was rehearsing. <laughs> that that yeah. is an interesting thing, though, where people, apparently, I've heard once before that this is a way that people would come to mourn with you. Basically, they just come and sit, and they're not there to try to speak comfort or to do anything other than just be there with you. Which is a good point because sometimes we don't always tend to say the right things. Mm-hmm. We get busy saying what, what we need somebody to say to us and it's probably nowhere near what that person needs to hear. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes just having another person there, Yeah. they don't have to speak. Just to know that they're supporting you and they're there for you if you need something. But right now, I'm composing a poem in my head and I don't need to talk to you. Well, that's that's good for introverts like me because those one-on-ones trying to figure out what to say, that's really hard anyway. So if I can just sit there and, you know, I'm just there with you, great. <laughs> that's that's great. I remember a couple of years ago, my brother's fiance died in a car crash and I went out to spend time with him. And... Basically, the whole time I was there, it was basically just sitting with him because, what do you say? What, do you what say? you know, what can you say? Isn't that this week? Isn't the anniversary of that this yeah, week? It could be. I think it's Monday. Isn't it the night? I don't remember the date, but I do remember it was Ugh. this time of year. It was awful. Terrible. It was awful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But like you said, just uh, just being there, not trying to give advice, not trying to say, oh, it's going to be okay. Because clearly, it's never going to be the same, you know. Um, so just, just being there and showing some solidarity is good. Um, but then once they do get to talk, boy, they have some weird, they have, I don't know. They have some interesting things to say. Um, the f- first, the first of Job's friends that shows or not shows up, but the first of Job's friends that talks is, uh, his friend Eliphaz. And this is where in Job you really have to start paying attention to who is talking. Um, and this is also an example of how just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that you take a verse out of it and make a doctrine out of it. Because I'll, everything that Eliphaz says on its surface sounds really, really good. But um, it's some kind of really bad theology. Because he starts getting into that basic, you know, if you are suffering, it's because you did something wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> Consider now, who being innocent has ever perished? Mm-hmm. Where were the upright ever destroyed? Um, really? Really? 
Yeah. Like, does he, who does he know that no one who is, you know, I mean, I get that none of us, none of us are innocent. So maybe that's. And that's where he was digging. What did you do? Mm-hmm. You like, know, that underlying tone that goes like you did something. We might not know what it is, but God knows what it is. Yeah. And, you know, you're in essence kind of being punished. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, kudos for um, understanding that God has control over things. Um, and and like, like I said, some of the things he says here are pretty good. Let's see if I wrote, if I quoted anything specific from him that sounded maybe not because overall it was just kind of, it's not garbage, but it's, it's trouble. It, it's troublesome to try to, to, to pull something out of it that you can actually use. Um, I think the most the most well known verse from this fellow's speech is chapter five verse seventeen, which I've heard in a lot of different situations and mm-hmm. sermons and whatever. Blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. I've heard that here, there, and wherever. Yeah, well, and that that's one spot where he actually does say something decent, something good. Uh, understanding that just because something bad is happening to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad in the end, that it's always going to be bad, uh, possibly is for your good. The the assumption here is that what's happening is from God right. and that it is an intentional correction. Right. right? And right. so that's that's that weird thing. Like what is what is spiritual warfare? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going on above and around us and how much of what happens to us is that. A clash yeah. of the supernatural forces that runs into us. Where there was no correction needed in this at all. Yes. It was, have you considered my servant, Job? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, but it also tells you that sometimes the, the pearls that you get from your friends, you know, aren't pearls at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you back up here just a little bit in chapter four to verses 12 through 21. Yeah, what was that about the spirit that, and stuff? Like, what was that? You know, I'm I'm was reading this and I started to wonder. I mean, this almost sounds like he was having some sort of a vision, but this was not a it didn't sound like it was a vision from heaven, you know, because he's uh a word was secretly brought to me and my ear received a whisper of it. Well, it's like where'd this come from? And then some of the things he starts talking about, um, let's see. Uh, spirit passport my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, heard a voice saying, "A form before my eyes." You know, can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his Maker? Um, goes on. Let's see. Oh, this is the part that really got me. It was verse um, eighteen. Yeah, verse eighteen. Yes. If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay? Now, who do we know? What angel do we know from heaven who was distrusted? (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to bring to is that I think that's part of the going to and fro over the earth and, Mm -hmm. you know, looking to see who I can devour. And what are the people and the other players that I could use to accomplish that? Yeah. So it almost sounds to me like maybe Satan was bending the rules here a little bit and it's like, you know what, I'm not just going to take his stuff away, but I'm going to get in there. I'm going to stick my fingers in there and I'm going to get his friends talking to him. And because it doesn't say that, you know, before, well, what means can you use? Yeah. He didn't, he didn't limit him. Right. He just said, go ahead, take all his stuff. 
Mm-hmm. See what happens. Yeah. Didn't say by what means take all of his stuff. Yeah. Or I, not to play with the psyche a little bit. Right. Is yeah. it, I mean, is there some assumption that the devil can only work with someone no. personally? I would, I mean, if no. I were the devil, I would go after everybody's friends if I was after that one person. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's their network. But yeah. It is. Yeah. That really was pointing out to me, though, that Eliphaz was having some influence. Um, from not so savory places. Um, why I don't know, uh, but it's it's pretty clear to me that um, this is this is another another attack, and uh, he, Eliphaz is being pulled into it, and that's why, in part, that he is coming at Job so hard with this. You must have done something. You had to have done something, you know. So I have a I have a side by side parallel version of the Bible here. The message gets really dramatic with this section. A word came to me in secret, a mere whisper of a word, but I heard it clearly. It came in a scary dream one night after I had fallen into a deep, deep sleep. Dread stared me in the face and terror. I was scared to death. I shook from head to foot. A spirit glided right in front of me and the hair on my head stood on end. I couldn't tell what it was that appeared there, a blur, and then I heard a muffled voice. How can mere mortals be more righteous than God? How can humans be purer than their creator? Why God doesn't even trust his own servant. God doesn't even trust his own servants, doesn't even cheer his angels. So how much less these bodies composed of mud and fragile as moths. These bodies of ours are here today and gone tomorrow. And no one even notices, gone without a trace. When the tent stakes are ripped up, the tent collapses. We die and we're never the wiser for having lived. Mm, Just by the way you're saying it, makes me think it's kind of, it was a nightmare. Okay. Yeah. But he was willing to share it nonetheless, and it's not very uplifting. I don't no. think it provides any words of encouragement. No. No. Yeah, that that uh, that last half of chapter four there, that was just, was a, when I really started realizing where that was coming from, it kind of sent a little chill up my back. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking that Eliphaz was being kind of spoken to directly there, and yikes. Um, but then chapter five, though, chapter five is not all bad. Of course, like you said, it's it's coming from that perspective of the assumption that it's a correction. But um, if if we're going to go with that and we're going to assume that God does correct us at times and does discipline us, and why wouldn't he? Um, if he is a loving God, if he's a loving father, um, correction should be part of the equation. You know? Um, I think so. We all require it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things he talks about, like verse two in chapter five, he says, "Wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one." Well, that's pretty good logic there. That's that you know that's a pretty good thing to remember that you know if you're angry and and trying to get back at people, um, it's going to come back on you. You know what I was when I was reading this, I was thinking to myself too that. You know, in the very beginning, it listed all of Job's possessions and how wealthy he was. We don't know about his friends. Were they equally as wealthy? Were they mm. not as wealthy? Could it be some envy for them, too, that, you know, the exactly <laughs> where it's like, you know, now you're kind of one of us. Maybe. So maybe when I was envying you and... Now I've kind of had the maybe upper hand on you because you're sitting here. 
with boils all over your body, mm. lost everything, wife telling you that, you know, curse God and die. Mm. And now, Joe, let me kind of rub it in your face a little bit. Maybe. Could be. They certainly seem ready to pile on. No. And that, yeah. But I think that's what Satan wants to happen. You know, I think that was the the ultimate test of what he was actually driving for early on is that, you know, listen, if I, if you take the hedge away and make him like everybody else and where I could like speak to his friends and have that brought up too, that, that would definitely weigh on you. What do you guys think of um, chapter five, verse Eight. Verse 8. If I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's another one of those things. It seems like uh, it seems like sound advice. Well, I think you have to mix in a little bit of truth with the error. Yeah. You know, because if you if you give it too, too raw you know, the way Satan presents it, if you don't give some pearls in there, I don't think you're going to have such a, a rousing response yeah. to yeah. what you're trying to do. People yeah. are going to buy what you're selling. Exactly. Or, you know, it, and especially to somebody that maybe did have have faith and maybe knew the Bible that sometimes you do need to mix some truths in there mm-hmm. to, well, to season the bait. Yeah. Yeah, because if we we're, of course, you know, we're, we're, we have put the chapters together, you know, or we've put the chapter numbers in there. And this is all one continuous thought, especially since Eliphaz has started talking and where we realize where some of this um, motivation is coming from. He had a week to get his speech ready also. And yeah, and yeah, and then he had his weird nightmare, vision, whatever it might be. Um and then he comes along and says, "Well, if I were you, I'd, you know, I'd be taking this up with God." Well, this is the guy who's also trying to get Job to curse God, you know. Um, and so it's like laying a little foundation there of of uh, going going towards that end. Yes, but on the surface, yeah, of course, of course we should take it to God. Of course we should always take it to God. Yeah, so let's tie this together a little bit. If you go back to the beginning of his speech, at the beginning of chapter 4, it says, Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, he goes into this bit that we're in. If I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. Yeah. So he's like lifting Job you, up. You've lived a good life. If there's anybody who can go to God yeah. and say, help me. This stuff hurts. Make it go away. Yeah. It's you, Job. Look at the good you've done. Yeah. But I think, too, where where they put the question marks, you know, it's almost still questioning him. And, and to me, it it was almost like he was poking and prodding him for, for Job to say, okay, yeah, I did this. Or this is why these calamities fell on me. Mm-hmm. Because it said, you know, in a way, he was just kind of driving it home by, and the integrity of, of your ways, you know, integrity of your ways, your hope, 
And it's like, you've done all these great things. Why is this happening to you? What have you done? You know what I, and I don't know. I didn't, I don't know if they were the best friends to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, this is a pretty big, uh, pretty big calamity. I'm not sure I would know what to say if, if I was one of my friends' entire life unraveled like this. Yeah. I mean, I've had situations where I was pretty sure my entire life unraveled, but that nothing compared to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of these things that start out sounding good are really getting kind of pointed as accusations. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, for wrath kills a foolish man. Well, that's a good mode to live by. But at the same time, Eliphaz is almost basically saying, Job, you're being you're being foolish. Not that Job is being wrathful, but is basically saying you had when he's saying you had to have done something. Have you been wrathful? Have you been envious? Have you been doing you know, you've been doing something? But uh, it almost gives you um, a little bit of a foreshadowing that maybe it, it is Satan because look at look at five nineteen. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven. No evil shall touch you. Isn't that kind of what God said back in the beginning? Go ahead, try Job. Just don't touch him. <laughs> mm, yeah. It actually, that actually reminded me of, um, is it David who says in one of the Psalms, I've seen blah, blah, blah. I've seen all of this stuff go wrong, but I've never seen the righteous go hungry. And I'm thinking to myself, Really? Where do you live? Right. <laughs> I I don't understand where you live. The, the world yeah. operates in this nice, clean, black and white way where the good people are protected <laughs> by God. And yeah, yeah, I, we've seen plenty of people, plenty of God's people suffering. Yeah, I, I don't even I don't even get it. Yeah, I think there's a maybe a general feeling that maybe, like I said, we can't take every single verse that's in the Bible and try to make theology out of it. Yeah. You know, it's possible that this was just David speaking, saying something that sounded good at the time, but it's not necessarily no. supposed to be. Read Psalms. That man was bipolar. I swear. Well, <laughs> you know, and you could look at it this way too. Where, where was he in his life? Was he, you know, being chased through the desert by Saul or was it during the more prosperous years where he was the king? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's in the Psalms, so you don't really know. Right. And and then he becomes complacent, like we're talking about, because now he has everything. He has riches. And now he's looking more towards himself. Because if you look at it, and like we kind of started off the conversation, is the rich, you know, tend to find comfort in what they have. Yeah. Where they kind of lose, not so much lose their need for God, but tend to... And you put him it. on the back burner. I don't feel it anymore. Where, you know, you even look at King Solomon. What happened with all his riches? He started to pursue other gods. Yeah. More wives, more gods, more ties in with, with countries that he was not supposed to be interacting with. Because I think ultimately he started chasing something else because he was complacent here. Yeah. So many years ago. Um, so I, I used to live in Alaska and many years ago I was remodeling my house and I had bought thousands of dollars worth of building supplies and they were stacked in front of the house for when the contractor was ready for them. And then the area caught fire and they were evacuating just up the road from me. 
like just a few houses up the road, they, they were evacuating and the fire was coming my way. Mm. And so I called up my, <laughs> I called up my contractor and I said, Hey, maybe could you bring that big trailer over and take all of my building supplies that I paid for mm. and just like go put them at your house or something because he lived two valleys over. And he says, oh, you don't have to worry about that. And I said, well, they're evacuating right up the road. I'm pretty sure I should worry about it. And he goes, no, you don't need to worry about it. You're on the right side. And I was like, and bad things don't <laughs> happen to Christians? The rain falls on the right. just and in the just. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he goes, hmm. Now that you put it that way, I'll come over with my trailer. I'm like, yeah, let's do it that way. Can we just do it that way? Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, yes, I am on the right side. That's why I have somebody with a trailer who could come move my stuff. Anyway, it was, it was kind of funny because there's that mentality. Yeah. You know, right here in the modern world, it's like, nope. You yeah. believe in God, he protects you. Mm, <laughs> Okie dokie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So, uh, yeah, chapter five kind of ends up with some prosperity theology where nothing bad's going to happen to you and only good things are going to happen to you if you're following God. And um, he will, what is this? You will laugh at destruction and famine and need not fear the wild animals, for yeah. you will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. Yeah. And That's so amazing. basically, we get into chapter six with going, uh, Job going, I have been on God's side and I have been following God and now there's stuff happening to me and I don't understand why. I haven't done anything wrong. I mean, we say nothing. He's a human, clearly. Right, he would have right, had right. sin. It's not like he would have been absolutely perfect, but he was clearly somebody who walked with God and um, tried to... Uh, someone who walked with God and wanted to be on God's side. And still had bad things happen. And so that's, I mean, that on its on its face is a lesson to all of us that bad things happening to us is not necessarily punishment. It's not necessarily, uh, it may not even necessarily be correction all the time. It might just be stuff happens because it's a sinful world. You know, Job's mentality on sin is it's shown to us pretty early in the book. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 5, um, where he's talking about when his children, when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Mm -hmm. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was his regular custom. Like, this man was careful. Yeah, but I think, too, uh, there was another sermon that I listened to that basically was saying, you know, people are like, do you pray for protection for your family each and every day? Do you feed that hedge of protection? Right. And, you know, my family's always made it a thing. So each and every morning we have morning prayer before we go our separate ways. And that's our prayer. We know or the praise that we give is thank you for the hedge of protection that surrounds us. Mm -hmm. So we I think. I pray for the, that hedge of protection. And I think Job was doing the same thing by offering up for his family. While well, you might not be able to see what my oldest son is doing in, in Texas in the Coast Guard. I still pray for him to say, yeah. you know what, you know, watch over him, protect him, you know, yeah. give him the, um, 
um, the wherewithal to make good choices, convict his soul to do what's right. And but also, like Job wasn't necessarily praying for protection there. Like he's no. praying for forgiveness mm-hmm. for his children if they have sinned. That's that's like yeah. he's intervening on his children's behalf just yeah. in case. Yeah, that's really interesting. It is. It is interesting. Um, of course, that would open up a whole can of worms if I went there. I'm going to go there anyway. Um, <laughs> how much? How much can we pray for other people's sins? I know that's a great question. You know how much? How much forgiveness is available for the people we pray for because we have prayed for them, or is it? It somewhere though yeah. that says a mother's prayer is very powerful. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about, you know, forgiving sins or anything, but I think it holds a little weight. That... Hang on. I'm going to see if I can find it. There's a text in the New Testament. You guys carry on for a second. I'm going to see if I can track this thing down. You know, that shows the importance, I think, of kind of family-wise and, you know, how important it is to, I think, continually, continually pray for your children. Yeah. You know, while you might not be able to, you know, take care of their sins or pray for their, their sins, because I think that's a personal yeah. Their relationship with God, I think it does hold a little weight with the family. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we, we've, we've often said that prayer is not us trying to get God to conform to our will. Prayer is us trying to get ourselves to conform to God's will. And we may not always pray for things that are good for us, but the more we pray and the more we see how God works, the closer we get to our will becoming like God's will. Mm. And um, if we're spending a lot of time praying and thinking about our family, um, our influence on them is going to be evident as well. That's living by example. Yeah, it can't just be, oh, God, save my children. Uh, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't want them to be, die in sin. And then we go out and live a life of sin. Right. You know? Um, we're clearly, we're going to be trying to be, uh, good example, a good example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, Job saying though, um, the whole point of chapter six here, um, the whole point of chapter six here is Job saying, no, I have a, I, I've got a good reason for complaining here. It's not because so, something is happening here. And I want to know why, because I'm not being, punished for something I've done, but I am being made to go through something and I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Um, you know, he's basically verses two through seven. He's basically saying, you don't understand this grief that I have. Um, and probably on lots of levels. I mean, those other guys, they didn't lose everything. Um, I had a lot to lose. I had a lot to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I lost it. Yeah. And if your theory of them not being as wealthy is, true you know you guys don't know what i you don't know the weight yeah you know and he even says that um the calamities uh that were laid on me and their scale and the heaviness of it you know but i think too that i think he's also saying that goes beyond the possessions that i've lost i lost my family Mm -hmm. i lost my children and that's one of the things that you know i was talking to my wife about i said you know i wonder how it said that Job was restored and Job was, you know, all his possessions were, were multiplied. But, you know, part of me says, but 
did he ever forget the 10 children that he lost? No. You know, and I don't think that replaces the, maybe the hole in your heart. Yeah. That says, you know, that's great. I've been restored and I have all my wealth back and I have all the prosperity and all the possessions. Extra camels. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I still don't have son number one. Right. The first child that I had. Right. Because I think, you know, us having families here, that's that's one of those milestones in life that you never forget is your first child. Yeah. You know, granted, maybe he went on. I don't, I'm not sure. Did it say he had 10 more children? Yeah, yeah. Millions of children. So many children. You know, but is, <laughs> you know, does it replace child number one? Exactly. Get replaced by child number 22? Right. No, no. You know, because, <laughs> you know, we often say that too is, you know, with our youngest one, it's like, you you don't have those same milestones that you did with the first one. You love the second one nonetheless, but it's not um, like remember the first bath. Remember yeah. the first, you know. It's not like putting a new goldfish in the bowl when it dies when your kid is gone. <laughs> you know, you flush the one and then put another you get one. Get another one. Just get another one, and nobody knows. <laughs> Who's this one? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I cannot find this text, and it's going to make me crazy. I'm going to spend the afternoon looking for it now. There is this, I, and I remember this text from First Timothy where it talks about intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. And he says, I first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And there's and there's a number of these. Like, we're openly encouraged in the Bible to pray, pray for, for others. others. Yeah. But there's one, and I'm boy, I just, don't quote me on this, but it's something like, it, it's like you can pray for other people for forgiveness for sins that aren't sins unto death. That's like the phrase that is sticking in my mind. I wish I could find that. Mm. That's going to make me nuts. Yeah. Well, I remember, I just remember hearing or reading something very similar to that thought here about there are sins that lead to death and there are sins that don't lead to death. I don't, but that's not where you're going. Yeah. I'm talking about intercessory prayer, yeah. like Job praying for mm-hmm. forgiveness for his children just mm-hmm. in case they sinned. Yeah. And, you know, the Bible encourages us to do that. And I don't, I don't certainly don't know the circumstances. Like, what does that mean? What can I pray for forgiveness for someone else for? Yeah. But that's a very interesting idea. Yeah. So, okay. So in Job's speech, speech, I guess it's a speech here. um, His idea, his thoughts that he's trying to get across here. Um, Like we were just talking about, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm not complaining without a reason. Um, Verse 8 and 9, he's like, you know, I would rather be dead than going through this that I'm going through. But my grief is is that that deep, you know. Um, Yeah. And before we started recording, Karen and I were talking about a friend of hers who's going through some stuff right now that um, she just wakes up, like you said, in tears, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Outright wishing she was dead we can we can get to those points and also like i was saying um not everybody understands that level of grief i can see people in that level of grief but being that depressed is not something thankfully that i've ever had to experience and so i don't really have an understanding of it yeah you know um thankful for me um, maybe not as good for people that I come in contact with who otherwise I might be able to help if I did understand it. But um, 
I guess I'm still glad that I did, that I don't. Um, let's see, there was something here in verse 10 that I was pulling out. I wish I knew you not spare, for I have not. Uh, let's see, then I would still have comfort, or no, it goes back. Verse 8, oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant me the thing that I long for, that it would please God to crush me, that he would lose loose his hand and cut me off. Then I would still have comfort, though in anguish I would exult. He will not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what he means there. It almost sounds to me, though, because he's talking to Eliphaz about I haven't done anything wrong. He's basically saying I haven't. I'm not holding back from anything that I have been shown having done wrong. I'm not sure if that's if, if that's what he's saying there, but it sort of seems to be. So I have a question I'm going to throw out there. Do we know how old Job is? Does old give... enough to have ten, ten children kids. who are grown, <laughs> grown and have their own houses. That's like my only age reference yeah. on this dude. Yeah. I mean, um, you know what? I, I, I look back at, at um, chapter 7, um, verse 6, and it makes me think that, you know, as you age, you get... Um, you start to think about death a little bit more mm -hmm. and what you've accomplished in life. And, and if you look back, my days are swifter than a weaver's um, shuttle. I have no idea what really that means. The, shuttle, the shuttle is the thing that, um, that yeah. you put through and you kind of press yes, down is yes. what I kind of thought yes. it was. Uh -huh. yeah, um, the shuttle is the part that, that they push back and forth. Yes. And oh, remember that my life is a breath. You know, and I find myself too, I'm not going to give my age or whatever, you know, but when you're young, you very rarely think about death. You know, I think yeah. you have that, you know, invincible kind of characteristic in life is everything brand new and I'm ready to go start my adventure. So death is like something that's in very, you know, remote parts of your mind. But as you start to age, you start to think about you know, is, am I getting a little bit closer? Or, you know, when big milestone birthdays come up, it's like, okay, is this the halfway point? You can, you can hear his perspective in chapter six. You can, you can mm -hmm. hear like, not only has he lost a bunch of stuff, but how on earth is he ever going to have time to rebuild it? Like in starting in verse 11, he says, what strengths do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient do I have strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to yeah. help myself now that success has been driven from me? Or my life is a breath. You know, yeah. just let you know that, you know, I'm, I know guys, you know, my friends that are here with me. I know that I'm not here forever. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it's like I'm, you know, I can almost see my mortality right now in light of everything that's that's going on. Um, and that, you know, my eyes never again see good. Um, the eyes of him who sees me will see me no more. While your eyes are upon me, I shall no longer be. You know, I, but then too, I looked that he also talks, you know, about the grave. So who goes down to the grave does not come up. He shall never return to his house, nor shall his place know him anymore. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of saying, you know what? I want to kind of pass away at this point. All the grief and everything that I'm feeling, you know, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Dust in the wind. <laughs> yeah. Is dust in the but, wind. but I like how he, he, in 11, he says, therefore, 
I will not restrain my mouth. I'm going to give you exactly what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's like, for you questioning me and maybe letting Satan speak in your ear, let me just clarify a few things for you. Yeah. So, and I think that's the part where, you know, God is like, okay. Right. There's this idea in the field of psychology where you do a thought check and you're, you're checking your own thoughts for reality. Okay. So in this case, Job is in it to his eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this guy wishes he was dead, like curse the day I was born. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because all of his friends come at, and we'll hear more about this as the, as the weeks go by and we finish this book, but like his friends all come with definite points of view mm-hmm. and they're very sure of their perspective and he's very sure of his perspective. And then God enters the picture and God is very sure of his perspective. Yeah. And so, so the thought check, you know, yeah. it, is there a prosperity gospel? Does God control, does God control the good and the bad things, mm-hmm. all of the good and the bad things in the world? Do we have texts that say that bad comes from the devil and all good things come from God? We have texts that say that. God has some power in the world, quite mm-hmm. a bit. Satan is the prince of the world. None of us really know what the rules of those interactions are. Mm-hmm. We know that prayer looses God's power, but we don't exactly know how. We know we're told to pray for other people, but we don't know exactly how that works. There's all these unknowns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so the, the idea of being caught up in your feelings, feeling like like what he's saying, like, I'm not going to restrain my mouth. I'm going to tell you what I think. You know, What do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? Yeah. And everybody in this has very, very strong opinions. But everything he says is the things that we're talking about now, because even if you look down... Um, in seven, is it around 13? And he says, my bed will come for me. My couch will ease my, my complaint. Then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. Mm. So was he talking to the friend saying, listen, hey, your dreams aren't doing me any good. Right. Yeah. But back to the thing, you know what? I'm but a breath. So I'm going to let you know what's on my mind. Yeah. Thank you for coming to me with this, <laughs> but it's not right. Yeah. This is not where I'm going or what I'm feeling based on my relationship with God. I know that I'm only here just for a minute. Yeah. But my minute so far has been good. The 30 seconds of my life has been good. Yeah. I don't know what's going on for this, you know, the next next few, but let me give you where I'm coming from. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on our time here. Uh, so there's some of those final things here. Job, he, he, he's kind of going um, here in the last little section there. He's like, you know, did I ask you guys for anything? It's like, why are you guys coming on me so hard? Did I ask you for anything? I haven't asked you for anything. And he, he finishes up chapter six, basically with tell me where, tell me, tell me what I've done wrong. I want to know what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if I did something wrong, tell me, I want to know why. So we will continue with this next week. Uh, will we Continuing Job chapter 7 through 12. We touched in there a little bit today. There's no way you can't. Um, it's part of the same spiel. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thought changes just a little bit there. So we will continue here next week, chapter 7 through 12. Um, we hope and pray that this has been uh, uplifting for you, helpful for you. Take some time to read it. Um, 
be careful reading it. Don't try to take any, uh, you know, text out of context. Um, but uh, we will look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you.